Welcome to It's Your Hormones, the podcast that delves into how your hormones affect every aspect of your life. I'm Dr. Sahar Roghead. I've been a doctor for almost 20 years and I'm a GP who's been working with patients with hormonal issues for 10 years. Each week you'll hear from a patient of mine or someone I know with hormonal issues who will share their real life story for you to learn how hormones can affect your mood, energy, sleep and quality of life and most importantly, what you can do about it. Today I'm talking to Tiffany. Tiffany's a trichologist in training, so we cover lots on hair loss and how to improve it, as well as Tiffany sharing her own personal story about gut health, bloating, lifestyle changes, a little-known condition called SIBO, and why taking control of your hormones in your 30s is essential. Let's start the show. Hi, Tiffany. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, so I'm Dr. So. You can call me what you like. Mm, hi, so. <laughs> so, Tiffany and I met socially. So, uh, we, we met through a mutual friend. What was it? Maybe five, six years ago? Longer, I think. Is it longer? Yeah. Yes, yeah, when you were Eight, opening your business. Years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's been that long. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, we met through a mutual friend and we kind of became friendly through there and obviously we've uh, got to know each other over the years as well and um, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, So I'm a hair colourist and I have been for 16 years now and I have a hair salon as well now, Um, sustainable, vegan friendly and now I'm training to be a trichologist which is a hair loss and scalp specialist. It's amazing. And yeah, like you said, you run your own business and you've been doing that for quite a few years now, as well as the uh, hair colouring side of things. So obviously a very busy woman. (laughs) Very busy, yeah. (laughs) So um, you mentioned a little bit about the trichology. Uh, Why don't you explain a little bit more about that for people who don't know much about it? So trichologist is um, hair loss concerns, scalp concerns, any scalp diseases that a client may have um, and just trying to solve all of them problems. So it can be, it's a very broad subject. So hair loss can be from alopecia to just stress-related hair loss, um, scalp diseases, psoriasis, but all the way up to, yeah, just really severe cases as well of dandruff and psoriasis. So um, obviously you've been uh, a hair colourist for many years. Um, What led you to want to study trichology? I think because I've always been into the science of hair, being a hair colourist, that's always something that I've been really interested in and really niched out into. So the next step really was for me personally was delving deeper into understanding ingredients better, how they affect the scalp, obviously how they affect the outer layer of the hair as well. Um, and then just really understanding, yeah, the science behind it more with hair loss and the scalp concerns that people have and just tying it all in nicely so they have amazingly healthy coloured hair. <laughs> and um, had you seen in uh, your your salon a real need for what you're doing based on your clients coming in? Yes, definitely. I think for running a team of hairdressers as well is in hairdressing, it's not something you actually learn. Um, in your MVQ in the UK, so you don't know these things unless your peers have told you you're not really going to know or you've looked into it yourself. So there's a lot of misleading information out there. And I think as a salon now, it's really important to be able to tell 
your clients actual facts about what they're going through. It's just an added service to your clients, which I think is really important in this day and age, especially now. Yeah. It's just a nice, yeah, added service to it and client care, which I think is really important. Yeah, I agree. And like, obviously, if you're having this issue, you want to go see someone you trust. And if they've built a relationship with you already, then that's really nice that you can offer that to them. Yeah, because it's hard for clients in your chair and you can't, really give them a fact about what's actually happening you can because they do tell you first and you see them every four weeks if you're a barber you see them every two to three weeks so for gents as well you're going to notice their hair thinning before they might even and to have a real understanding of what you can do in advance to just help prolong it is really a good idea I think and needs to be a thing. Yeah, I agree, because obviously in my work, uh, something that people do talk about to me is hair loss. That is a common change with uh, hormone fluctuations. So people mention it to me and I know a bit about it from the hormone side, obviously. But then there's things that you do that I don't know as much about. So that's why it's good to see um, the right person for what's going on for you. Um, I was just wondering if... In your work, you see patterns with hormones and hair loss at all? Yeah, I feel like like some of my clients, I would say that maybe of like perimenopause, you would probably notice a difference. Again, clients open up to you about how they're feeling. So without them really saying, I suppose you can kind of guess what they're going through anyway. And then you start to see the differences or you've seen the difference and then you're like, oh, okay, that's linked to that then possibly um especially with say stress as well if a client hasn't mentioned to you that they've gone through something and then a few months later and you're seeing okay yeah that's why your hair is now going quite fine or it's getting more brittle on the outside to it um yeah you just notice these things and you see it in men as well you said yeah men especially yeah definitely is it more noticeable because their hair's shorter? I think it's, yeah, because their hair is definitely shorter, yeah, and styling. Um, but yeah, I'd say it's just as big in men as it is in women. Yeah. And you did mention stress and hair loss. So what sort of patterns do you see with stress and hair loss? I'd definitely say it's around the, like, kind of four month after, maybe three months but generally I say your real effects you start to see it really clearly after four months and like I said that can be thinning that you can see that's obviously happening on the inside but then on the outside is the brittle the dryness the change in texture possibly as well is really common so you can yeah you can see that kind of starting to come out after a few months yeah yeah that's something I tell my patients as well I'm like normally what was going on three or four months ago if you're noticing the hair loss now and then they go oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> like a bit of a light bulb yeah, like, like oh, oh there it is because I think as you know you might notice as well people often say well I feel fine now I'm not stressed now I'm like yeah but what was going on three or four months ago and then like Oh, yeah, it was quite stressful. So I think that's just useful for people to know um, if they're having a hair loss at the moment, that just to look retrospectively to what was going on. Um, 
I was thinking probably one of the really important aspects of your job with your clients is the fact you already have a therapeutic relationship with them. Yeah. Because then they probably feel a lot more comfortable with you opening up. And hair loss is a really emotive subject, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Very, yeah. Yeah. Do you see that with your clients? Yeah, some people don't want to address it or they're not sure how to address it. And they're like, oh, is it just me? Or do... And then... My first thing to clients now is just keep an eye on it for the next kind of 12 weeks. I'll be seeing you in the meantime as well. Um, And we can go from there. If you can tell the conversation sometimes can be a little bit uncomfortable, I'm just saying just acknowledge it for the next 12 weeks and then I'll see you and then we'll go from there. Then, then I feel like the second time you do have more of a deeper conversation about it. If it's something they've just first picked up on and they're not 100% confident talking about it just yet yeah I think you were uh, I've seen you say on Instagram you know you know your hair's your crown quite often and I can relate to that I always feel better if my hair's done and blow-dried and um, I think it is you know quite a distressing thing when you get some hair loss for maybe for men too but I can only speak as a woman so you know as a woman I know it can be quite distressing because it's almost part of your identity isn't it yeah it's huge isn't it I always say you wear it every day if your hair's not right, you just do not feel right, do you? Even yeah. if it's just you haven't washed it properly or, oh, no, my hair's not right today. Yeah, yeah, definitely affects the way you feel. And I think that's why it's quite difficult in that perimenopause and menopause phase because there's loads of other changes going on as well. Maybe you're not sleeping well. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can't concentrate as well. Maybe you're a bit more moody and your hair's falling out and you don't feel you look right. It's kind of like everything's accumulating. Yeah, everything's coming at once. Yeah. And you just feel not yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was wondering from the trichology perspective, with your trichology hat on, uh, what sort of top hair care tips do you normally give your clients? I definitely always say there's definitely got to be three things if you're going to invest in anything. Everyone needs an oil in their hair because oils are great. They help with the um, attracting the water. So everyone needs it. And there's if it's the right one, there's nothing that's overloading on the hair. They can be really beautiful. It's just finding the right one for you. Can I ask a question? Because <laughs> I'm learning too. <laughs> so is that oil on your hair or do you put it on your scalp as well? Just on the actual hair. Okay. Not on the scalp. And what does that do to the actual hair? It just contains any fluff, frizz, hydration. If you're in the summer when it's hot, it'll just help control that, make it nice and smooth and shiny and just help because of the water. It's just helping hydrate the hair all the time. And so, like, would you do that after you wash your hair? Yeah, like, I keep a little one in my bag. Oh, so you can do it any time? Yeah, if I just feel like it's getting a bit bigger as I'm walking around London, then I can just put a little bit in quick to smooth it and tame it. Okay. Um, But, yeah, you can put it on before you blow dry and after as well. And I said if it's the right one, it doesn't build up too much. Okay, because that would be my concern. It would make my hair greasy. That's what I would worry about. very common like question I always say to you if it's the right one you won't have a problem okay so that's good to know yeah and how do you know what the right one is or is that why I come and see someone like you yes (laughs) (laughs) um I just think it's looking into your brands isn't it okay and seeing what you're into and looking into your brands so would it be like specific like you know if your hair's frizzy you'd use a certain one if you're more dry and split you might use a different one yeah and like I said just a controlled amount as well just a little bit 
and it's just nice to build it up as well. Okay, yeah, yeah that's good for me to know. <laughs> What's tip number two? Uh, heat protection always. Okay. Obviously, there's a lot of styling these days, and um, so yeah, heat protection is a must. Again, there's loads of really beautiful heat protections out there, and it's just keeping it away from the scalp, just mid lengths and ends. Really like patting the hair dry before you put it on, then putting it on so it's not just going on to saturated wet hair after you've shampooed and conditioned. So it's really absorbing into the hair and then blow dry. So I say that's a must. Me now with my trichology stuff, I would definitely say to people you need to do a scalp and a hair mask if you can every week. If you can't, then at least kind of two weeks. Okay. Um, for a scalp and hair mask. And there's so many out there now that you can do. Yeah. So you can put it on, go do a workout or go clean, then rinse it off. There oh, are many okay. that you don't have to stand in the shower for 15 minutes. Oh, so that's useful. So, yeah, it's just finding them ones that are more suitable to busy lifestyles as well. And how does that help the scalp? It just gives you such a deep clean. Like, the only way I can describe it to people is when you go outside, you can actually feel the air on your scalp. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're like, oh, my God, my hair feels full, shiny, and just, yeah, really, like, just loose and big and, yeah, plump. Okay. So, to me, that's making me think of, like, when you go to one of those hammams when yeah, you're, you're like abroad that, and you, yeah. you come out like a newborn baby. It's literally how you feel. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So, yeah, that sounds good for the scalp yeah, as well. Yeah, it's really nice, really soothing, calming. And did you say, like, once a month for that? Or I would normally say once a week. Once a week, okay, ideally, okay. But if, you know, busy life, every two weeks. And then obviously doing one that's suited to your hair needs as yeah. well. But then one that's for your scalp needs at the same time. Yeah. So I think that's really important stuff for people to know because, um, like I said, when people come to see me for hair loss, we normally talk about the stress. Mm -hmm. We maybe talk about supplements for stress to help like reduce cortisol a bit, so you're getting a bit less hair loss. We talk about hormone balancing, which is obviously going to help hair grow. But I don't really talk to people about sort of um, the actual care of the hair. So I think that's why it's important to have that joined-up approach, really. Yeah, because I think, like, for me, I've always been into skin care but never really thought about my scalp the same until I started doing my trichology that it should be treated the same you need yeah. to clean it and when it comes obviously removing all the dead skin cells and then the hair that's trapped on the underneath comes through nicer thicker fuller healthier hair so that's just going to continue your hair growth cycle nicely then yeah, so that's a really nice sort of joined up approach, yeah. really. Yeah, because again, like I might talk to people about hair supplements, you know, with biotin in and things like that, but not actually like maybe you need to do some scalp care and things like that. Maybe it's worth yeah, me I always bearing say to that people, in mind. Like, you imagine like your scalp and all the dead skin cells, as gross as it sounds, but are on top and all them little trapped hairs that can't get through because it's all clogged, like your pores would be on your skin. It's mm. the same concept. And then you've untrapped um, them and you've just got all this new hair popping out. Well, it's not new hair, it's hair that's existing, but it's just trapped. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's really, really uh, interesting. Definitely food for thought and something I will be mentioning to patients as well as an add-on for sure. 
Um, so as well as knowing you through sort of, you know, friends and through hairdressing and then learning about your trichology, we've also had a professional relationship because you came to see me about your gut health not so long ago. Uh, so just for the listeners, what sort of symptoms were you experiencing when you contacted me? So my first thing was actually weird. Um, uh, my hair was shredding quite a lot, which is really uncommon for me. So that was one thing. But then really severe bloating in the mornings when I was waking up, a real, like, tiredness, sometimes quite a lot of night nausea as well. Um, But, yeah, a lot of tiredness for me was probably the main for a long time was that real fatigue. And I was like, I don't understand where this is coming from. I lead quite a healthy lifestyle in that sense. Yeah, I'm busy, but I didn't really understand why I was so tired. It didn't make sense to me at all. And then um, and then the bloating was obviously getting more and more severe, as you know, like nearly every day. Whereas before I used to just put it down to the occasional might have had too many complex carbs that day or whatever. Um, but then it just started getting really out of control. I couldn't even fit into any of my clothes anymore. So what did you think was going on at that time? Well, I was just, I suppose, the general maybe IBS, irritation to something that I was eating. But then with the lockdowns, I started like monitoring what I was eating. I still couldn't work it out, even though I was eliminating stuff by myself. I still wasn't working it out, going back to the gym. It was still not getting any better. It just got worse and worse and worse. Like I said, in the end, it was just so uncomfortable because it was walking around feeling really heavy and bloated all the time yeah and you've uh, I'll put a link to your Instagram in the show notes because you actually put some photos on there mm. of um, your your stomach sort of before treatment and after and you know you were pretty heavily bloated I'm sure you, you disguised it with your clothes and things yeah. like that because women are good at that but yeah it must have been quite uncomfortable to have that every single day yeah it was so uncomfortable and I think that's I couldn't wear anything or if I I don't know did plan an outfit it wouldn't then fit that day because the bloat would be even worse but it my it changed my whole posture like I was going to my osteopath more regularly than I ever have before because I think my posture was so bad with it because it felt that much heavier and, yeah, just really uncomfortable. I would literally sit there and just hold my stomach sometimes like, oh, my God, why do I feel so heavy? Yeah. That's what it felt like. And I imagine it must have been a bit disruptive to your work and to your yeah, social everything. life. Yeah, because sometimes I, was like, I just don't want to go out. I feel gross. I can't be bothered. And my energy was just gone because I was like, oh, no, can't be bothered. And, yeah, it just felt uncomfortable. Yeah. Cause you just suppose it does give you a bit of a complex because I felt so big in my stomach. I also imagine because in your work you're on your feet a lot. Yeah, and So maybe was it was hard. uncomfortable. Yeah, I felt like I was, like, waddling around. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, why do I feel like this? Mm. I said it was so severe in the end. Yeah. So you came to see me, I think it was sometime last year, wasn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. it was like July. Yeah. And you told me your symptoms and you had some tests done and things as well, didn't yeah. you? Because you were trying to be proactive and yeah. you got some testing done and things like that. And and also you'd been trying supplements, hadn't you? Yeah, so I tried... Oh, God, what had I tried? I tried so much, I can't even remember all of it. <laughs> 
But I tried a lot and nothing was just working in the end. I'd spent like a lot of money on certain probiotics and things that just obviously they weren't working because they weren't going to work with obviously having the SIBO. It was never going to work. Yeah. Once yeah. it got to that point. So I remember you tell me your symptoms. I looked at the stuff you brought in and I, li- I listened to the way you described the bloating. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think what I heard was that the bloating was there pretty much all the time, even first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. And it was very much upper stomach bloating. Yeah. So starting like underneath the breasts. Yeah. So it's coming from the top of the stomach, yeah. not like lower down bloating. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I heard that, I think I said to you, I yeah. think you've got something called SIBO. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people don't know what SIBO is. I guess you hadn't heard of it no. before we started working together. Now I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> so SIBO stands for small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And it's where you get an increase of bacteria in your small intestine. It kind of does what it says on the tin. Um, and yeah, basically you get this overgrowth of bacteria that then produce and ferment and produce gases. And that's where you get all that bloating. And everything you put into your stomach then goes into the small intestine and they just produce more gas and bloat you out more. So it almost gets to the point where you can eat anything and it's going to cause bloating. And something I see really commonly is that actually people who have quite healthy diets get more bloating because it's almost like that bacteria can't deal with the... um, the fibre and the roughage and fruit and veg and things like that. But if you have some junk foods, there's nothing mm. really in it and it seems to like sit all right. So so that's why people often notice it because they're actually trying to eat well and then they notice there's well, more yeah, problems. Well, yeah, that's what I remember you saying to me because I'd gone back to my personal trainer as well in the summer, well, in the March after lockdown and um, was trying to lose that, you know, what I thought was lockdown pounds. I was eating really well, like so well, exercising all the time and it still was not going. Then when I remember you saying to me, you're probably finding it easier when you eat junk food. I was like, oh my God, yes, I am. (laughs) Yeah. And I was like, that was a big sign. So I was like, I'm not losing the weight, but it wasn't the weight. It was obviously just all toxins, wasn't it? So then we did a SIBO test and that's a faff, isn't it? Yes. So go and tell people about that. I did it that. wrong the first time <laughs> because of the tubes and the breathing. And you have to um, fast 24 hours before, don't you? Yes, that's a um, pain. <laughs> and then, yeah, I did the tube wrong the <laughs> the first time. So if you explain to people how you do it in case they're interested in doing a test. Yeah, so you have to actually put the, um, there was like a prick thing on the side wasn't there in the bag and I took the lid off and put the um the tube with the bag in it instead of not realizing that you need to just pierce it with the lid rather than taking the lid off and then breathe into it for like oh god how many seconds 30 seconds it's 30 seconds but you do it over three hours don't you Every, 10 tubes every 20 minutes. Yeah, that was it. 10 tubes every 20 minutes for three hours. <laughs> so what did you do? Just like watch telly at home while yeah, you were doing I it? Yeah, I it on a Thursday night after work because I'd starved myself for 24 Aww. hours, worked a full day and then just sat there and did it till midnight then. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just so, to get it done. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. You've got to be quite motivated to do these things. Yeah, and it was trying to fit things. it into, like, the fasting and then doing the chew into yeah. your, your kind of social life, really. Yeah. Like, and what we didn't say before is that you, you take a, a, a bit of a lactulose oh, yeah, solution before. Well, yeah. 
because that's then going to help the bacteria ferment more. So then you measure how much fermentation is either a hydrogen gas or a methane mm-hmm. gas. And that's what the test uh, measures. That's what you're trying to capture mm-hmm. in the, the bags, basically. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's doable. But like you said, it yeah. is a bit of a, totally a process. Yeah. Yeah, so eventually we got your results back and we saw that it was positive for SIBO. And we did uh, quite a long course of antibiotic treatment, didn't we? Because it it does often require a long course. Was it six weeks or seven weeks? Yeah, eight, I think. It was eight in total, yeah. Yeah, eight weeks in the end. And again, that was also a little bit um, restrictive, wasn't it? Because again, you had to be mindful of your diet throughout that. Yeah, like I feel like that changed my... It was very challenging. Mm. Obviously, it was amazing. I'm so glad I'd done it. But I think, yeah, to people, you have to mentally prepare yourself for that, I think, because socially it was hard. Yeah. And I found with gut health, uh, so many people don't understand it. And that is actually quite, when you're trying to get through it, it's quite frustrating. Um. So, yeah, I did struggle with that, that in the end I just stopped telling people because I was like, I can't have the conversation anymore. So what sort of responses were you getting? Well, people be like, oh, you're doing a cleanse or a certain diet. And right. Like, no, and then you try and explain it, and I'm probably not the best at that anyway. But it is quite complex, isn't it? Yeah. So trying to explain what you're doing, why you're doing it. And like I said, around gut health, I feel like there's obviously not, that much awareness around it is there as there should be which is a shame because all of my friends that are close to me now like oh my god Tiff you're like a different person and have said how much like weight I've lost in the sense but I was like yeah but the weight I was carrying wasn't me being really overweight and being greedy it was just that was what was going on in my body. It was a condition. Yeah. And that was what was happening was the weight gain from it and yeah. the bloating. Whereas actually to lose the weight that quickly like I did just showed to me that, yeah, that it wasn't what I was eating or the way I was living my life. It was a con- like a gut health condition. Yeah, yeah, because it was probably causing inflammation in your body. Yeah, so and I storing just, fat. when I obviously got so obsessed with looking at the photos, just from being like, no, I knew that wasn't right. Mm. I didn't, I shouldn't have been living like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it wasn't just the bloating. I mean, of course, then we've said like with the hair loss, it's got a psychological impact on mm. how you feel also. Um, and then also, like you said, you know, your your memory, your energy, yeah, like all I those so things. I was so tired. I just was like, I couldn't really be bothered to be social a lot of the time. I really did struggle. It did affect, I would say, my mental health to some level that mm. I was quite low mood some days. Yeah. Because I was like, I can't even get out of bed today because I feel really tired. Yeah. Just for no reason. And like you said, you, I'd be eating well and it's then your constant battle because you're like... Why do I feel like this? I'm eating well. I'm going to the gym. I've been quite um, not stressed lately, but mm. I feel worse. And you're like, why? Yeah, it's demoralising, yeah. isn't it? And you just, yeah, like I said, I do think I feel like a completely different person. And mm. everyone close to me has said the same. So what have they noticed? Just like my mood, as in just being happier and more productive um, socially, like... I've got a lot more energy now. Um, and yeah, I just feel like a completely different person in my own mindset. I feel like I can cope with a lot more again. Because mm. um, I feel like me and I'm confident. 
at yeah. the moment, which is nice. Yeah, I really nice. I feel like I lost that for a while because I felt so gross all the time. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, so yeah, I do think it's amazing how much it's changed my life in yeah. 10 weeks now. Mm. And, you know, the part of it, of course, was finding out what was going on and taking the medication. Mm. But the other part is that, you know, like you said, you did follow a stricter diet, mm -hmm. you cut out a lot of things, you were really dedicated to it. So then that's on you because other people might just take the antibiotics and not do all the other stuff, but you actually showed up and did that stuff. So I guess that's why you're reaping the benefits now. Yeah, and I see, I think I didn't really notice it until after like week four, and then when I did, I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. How has this made that much difference in four weeks? Yeah. Because I kind of expected it to take longer, like with most things. You yeah. don't see the effect for a while. But I said after week four, I was like, oh. Like I woke up one day, I was like, oh, my bloating's gone. I'm not tired. I feel full of energy. <laughs> I was like, wow. So good. <laughs> <laughs> But we did talk earlier today about it's still something you're mindful of, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of foods you eat, how your body responds. It's not like you're like, oh, I've done my antibiotics. I'm yeah, just exactly. doing whatever I feel like. You're, you've got more maybe of a dialogue with what's going on with your body and your gut. Yeah, like now I just think for a while, because I was told like there was nothing wrong with me for a long time and I've seen knew there was just like listening to you, you're literally listening to your gut yeah. because now I think, well, that doesn't quite agree with me or if I do this, I know that's going to probably give me some kind of irritation. Um, and I just think it's changed my whole lifestyle in that sense. I'm just more aware of actually looking after my body properly again and not getting overly stressed because that's obviously a big impact on it as well, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, and just making sure I do like more yoga now and things around my gut health. So I'm very aware of that now, which I don't, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it's changed my outlook on a lot of stuff. Yeah, which is good. Yeah. Really good. And I have not had the sugar cravings. Oh, that's really at good. At all. <laughs> which for me is like quite rare. Yeah, really good. <laughs> so you're also going to get your hormones checked, aren't you? Mm -hmm. And um, you're a woman in your 30s. I was just wondering if you wanted to share why you decided that's a good idea for you at the moment. I think because I've, um, since my trichology, like learning about some hormones to some level as well, and it's just really understanding, I just think it's really important to understand exactly what's probably going on in your body and like where I felt so ill for a while with the gut health, it, now I just thought it would be a good time to test my hormones and see if there are any imbalances in my body. Um, I've had the coil for about three years now after being on the pill for probably since I was about 16. So I just thought it would be really nice to see where I'm at with that. Um, almost like the final piece of the jigsaw with me from a tiredness point of view as well to yeah. see if there is anything that is a bit out of sync that yeah. I can correct with diet and supplements really yeah I'm just really interested in it yeah and we were talking about that earlier about how you know you're very in tune with your gut at the mm -hmm. moment and I think it's so important for women to be in more in sync with their cycle as well and what's going on there and again I guess just having some of the tests done just gives you that information for you to be aware of things as well yeah and also just know when that cycle comes up that you're going to feel all right yeah <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to be feeling gross for two weeks or a couple, even a few days. Yeah. Just to know that, yeah, you'll feel okay. 
definitely. And, to, and that you're doing anything you can do to help yeah, your body. Yeah, for sure. And just not to dread it, not to dread exactly. your period. Because so many women like dread that time of their their month I have you know in the past and things and you was like oh god that's coming up soon and yeah. you're worried about it and just not to have that around it and just like have all the good bits of your feminine energy and hormones yeah. and not all the bad bits and I feel like we have this conversation all the time at the moment I don't know if it's because it's something that I've been more into but I feel like maybe my group of friends some have children some mm. of us don't and we're mid thirties, so we are getting to that age where we are talking about these things more and it's like, Oh, I'm feeling really rubbish. Like, oh it's like, well, could that be a hormone? It could be. That's yeah. a higher chance it could be, and you shouldn't have to feel rubbish because of your hormones. And it's just knowing where to go to source these things out and know that it it could be that. Yeah. And the same with the testosterone. Yeah. That you've spoken about a few times, haven't you? That I started to become more aware of. And mm. I found that really interesting as well for women. Yeah, for sure. So we always think of testosterone as a man's mm-hmm. hormone, but women do have testosterone and it does decline, probably from, if not your late 20s, your early exactly. 30s on. And that is, we all, oh, testosterone, that's just sex drive. But it isn't. It's also things like focus, concentration. Yeah, which is huge, isn't yeah. it? Burning fat, mm-hmm. building muscle, um, you know, motivation, mm-hmm. mood, energy. So all things we want more of. And again, optimising that can make a huge difference to how you feel. Yeah, that's what I say. I feel like I have the conversation so much with people for that because people are like, I just want to feel okay. Yeah. I think we were saying earlier on the way over here, like, you know, you might be like, oh, I feel all right. I feel about 70%. Mm. Well, that's all right. Obviously, it's not bad. But if you can feel 80% or 90%, you yeah. know, this is your life. Imagine don't what you could do, exactly. Yeah, don't settle for 70% in your life. Yeah, like, why you would know, you? Exactly. Yeah. Imagine yeah. what you can do feeling like 90%. Exactly. And that's the way I look at it. The better you feel, the more you can contribute Mm -hmm. and you can give more and be more and do more and help more. So it's not a selfish thing. It has a ripple knock on effect into like your relationships with other people, your business, your interactions. Yeah, yeah, the impact on all your communities around you, isn't it, I suppose? for sure. Yeah. Um, So thank you for coming on the podcast and sharing your story and your expertise as well. Um, I was just wondering if you had any advice for women in their 30s also about their hormones, health and hair loss in general. I just think from what I've learned over myself probably the last two years is, and now I'm a real strong believer in it, is just um, really connecting with your body. And if you feel like something's wrong then it's your body. You know there's something wrong. I think that's super important to just learn to try and connect with your body as much as possible so you really understand yourself. And if someone tells you it's not wrong, then go and find it the information elsewhere, isn't it? If you generally yeah. believe something's not right. Yeah. Yeah, it's really believing in yourself, isn't it? Totally, completely Because if I agree. hadn't, then I wouldn't have probably ended up coming to you and... I would have just still been probably in quite a bad place, really, with it. Yeah. If I hadn't really pushed it. Yeah. I always say you've got to be your own advocate. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. That's what I think. Well, thanks for coming on, Tiffany. Thank you so. Tiffany shared some great tips on managing hair loss from the trichology perspective. I see patients for hair loss, generally from the hormonal perspective, 
and give advice on balancing the hormones, and also things they can use topically such as tonic with things like minoxidil in it and other hormonal hair tonics. Progesterone in particular is very important for helping hair. After all, pregnant women often have amazing hair and skin, and balancing your progesterone by taking it as a pill can help yours too. Also, too little testosterone can affect hair loss as well as too much, and making sure your oestrogen is at a good level boosts your hair. However, it was also very interesting to hear about things like scalp masks, keeping the scalp clean to promote hair growth, and hair oils, as these are things I haven't really considered before. As well as hormones and scalp care, don't forget that your thyroid can influence hair loss, as can low iron, zinc and biotin, amongst other vitamins and minerals. And in terms of your diet, it's important to make sure you're getting enough protein. It was also very interesting in the way Tiffany shared her SIBO journey. SIBO, or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, is not well known about in conventional health circles. In fact, it's something I learned about about eight years ago from a patient and then did my own research. And now it's something I actually see quite commonly. And if someone ever tells me about upper abdominal bloating, worse with healthy food, surprisingly, burping and either diarrhea or constipation, SIBO is normally first in my differential diagnosis. The testing is a bit tricky to do, as Tiffany explained, but well worth it. As she explained, the antibiotics absolutely revolutionized her symptoms. And I'm going to put a link to her before and after photo in the show notes so you can see the difference for yourself. Of course, Tiffany is super motivated and didn't just take supplements and antibiotics. She also made many lifestyle changes. Tiffany is someone quite proactive in her health and therefore wants to get her hormones checked and just make sure everything's optimum. Thanks for tuning in this week to It's Your Hormones. There is more information on the topics discussed in the show notes and a link to Tiffany's page on trichology. Join me again next week to hear more real-life stories about how hormones can affect you and what you can do about it. See you next week.